What makes the good life the good life? This podcast is on a mission to find out. Join us for the third season of exploring the best voices and stories the Heartland has to offer. Venture to all four corners of York County, because when it comes to quality of life, it's all about keeping it local. Brought to you by the York County Development Corporation, this is 17 County, Season 3. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and review our podcast. Doing this helps grow our podcast, and so we appreciate the help from our listeners. Today, we are joined by someone who I wouldn't call a returner, but he certainly is is coming home. Our guest today grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, first got his exposure to York through York College. Um, while York College was only a two-year school at that time, those two years were very impactful on this individual. He has lived in Tennessee for the last 20 years, working at Lipscomb University. We are happy he and his family chose York to call home. Uh, he is the U- new York College president, and today I welcome Dr. Samuel Smith to the show. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Derek. It's so good to be with you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, first little segment we have here, some kind of fun I like to do, try and uh, loosen up my guests. So the first question here is, you're trapped on a desert island. What are the first, what are the things that you bring? What are the three things you bring? Well, it's, uh, there's a lot of things to narrow down. If I'm on a deserted island, man, I'm, I'm happy for one. <laughs> uh, but if there are only three things that I could bring, uh, the first thing would be my Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I tap into every day. It's part of my identity. And it's something I would desperately miss if I did not have that with me. Uh, the second thing is a fishing pole. I absolutely love to go fishing. So... If I saw all of this water around me and all these fish jumping around me and did not have a fishing pole or a reel, oh, it would drive me bonkers. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a disaster. That would be like a nightmare more it than would be a nightmare. <laughs> than I'd anything. find a way to get a pole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say some branch and something, some <laughs> yes. hair would be yeah, turned something into something. Happen, yes. Yeah. Um, and the third thing would be uh, a picture of my family. I absolutely love my family, love spending time with them. And so if I was not able to be with them, I would want to have that picture that go along with the memories. Yeah, that would definitely, you know, keep you going if you're on a desert island because you always want to make sure you have something to keep you keep you going so that way you, you know you get picked up off that island right. or whatever. So, yeah, family would definitely, or a picture of your family would definitely be something, yeah, that helps keeping you move forward. That'd and be I like better than a volleyball with a handprint <laughs> on it. <laughs> exactly. And I like the Bible as well. I mean, that, I mean, it'll give you something to read. It's your faith and everything like that. And so I think those are three solid, you know, they're both logical and, you know, there's some stuff that, you know, I just want to have this, you yes. know, it's, it, it'd be important to me to have. Right. So, no, that's, that's a great little beginning there. Um, so we'll jump right in. Um, tell me a little bit about um, your time growing up in Fort Worth. Okay. Grew up in uh, Fort Worth, but really a town called Saginaw, Texas, mm-hmm. um, which is a town about the same size as York is, and, and just a, a town full of really good people, uh, people that knew each other and knew what was going on. Uh, could Kids could get in trouble if they wanted to, or they could uh, behave themselves if they wanted to also, uh, but memories of going to the lake and swimming with friends, uh, incredible high school uh, stories and memories. I would I'd go back and repeat high school any day of the week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> That's how good of an experience I had. Um, growing up in, in Fort Worth, the Fort Worth area means I had an unlimited supply of Tex-Mex. <laughs> yes. So I'm constantly asking people who have been there or lived there, do you like Taco Bueno? Because Taco Bueno is one of my I've heard of Taco Bueno. I have there a friend that... There used to be that, one in Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Years ago. Um, it's not there anymore, but love Taco Bueno. Waterburger. Oh, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And then, absolutely, you, you can't talk about Texas without uh, the barbecue. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was a neat place because of the community, a neat place because of the food, and a neat place because of all the memories I had while I was there. Certainly. So growing up, were you like pretty involved with like different activities? Were you involved in a lot of different sports? A, a lot of different sports. And so I played baseball uh, growing up and was thin as a rail. People who see me now would never guess that. But uh, my wife reminds me that I didn't b- break 100 pounds until after I was a junior in high school. So um, what I found was I didn't have the size to play football or I would break in half. Right, I was going to say, down in Texas, yeah, playing baseball, you were probably ostracized just for that. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, 
and I was too short for basketball and, and still thin, didn't like basketball very much. Um, and so the other sport that I could do was cross country. And um, I ran cross country, not because I loved it, but because I, I was really good at it. I was mm-hmm. a good runner, but hated it and felt like it was a, uh, not a gift from God, but from the devil that I was a good <laughs> runner. Uh, so running in Texas heat, Texas heat is like running in Nebraska heat. Yeah, yeah. I, I did cross country for just one year, and mm-hmm. that's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did very well. I was able to run in state in cross country. Our team was very good. I, I, I did well. I'd like to tell people my best time was 1648 in the 5K, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and actually came here and ran with it. Awesome. Yeah. So your running brought you here. Um, tell me a little bit more about. I know. Um, were you involved with like FCA then as well through cross country or anything like that while down there? Or no, I, I, if we had FCA, I don't know about FCA. Okay. Um, not involved in that, but I was definitely involved in, in church and mm-hmm. youth group uh, growing up, heavily involved in that. My dad was a, a minister uh, for most of my life growing up, and, and so sometimes involvement was uh, required, but sometimes it was just what I wanted to do. And so. Um, not in FCA specifically, but definitely involved in the church. Definitely, definitely. Um, so what were some of your, um, um, I guess, favorite um, maybe memories that you had through um, cross country? Was there like a, a time that you went to like state or was there a district meet that like stands out or something like that? Let's see, there's not many stories I can repeat that, <laughs> that I would consider my favorite stories. Um, a funny one, um, is my my coach, uh, Coach G, Coach Gerloff, uh, would run with us some. I, I don't think he liked uh, cross country either, but he would run with us. One day he was running, he had these big old headphones on. You know, back in the headphones a lot bigger back then than they are now. And he had these big old headphones on. And so I just assume he can't hear me. And so he's running in front of me and I'm, I'm just giving him a hard time, uh, you know, in a kind way, you know, talking about his family and about his running and stuff like that. And um, apparently he could hear me. He just turned around and he tackled me. <laughs> <laughs> we had a really good relationship. It was just a funny moment that we had. No, that's awesome. It's great when you have coaches like that, that you can have those, like, you know, great bonds with and everything like that. I think about my, you know, bowling coach. You know, he's still around in the area and I still bowl with him on a league and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it's great to be able to have those coaches that you can have those you know relationships with they're a little bit more than just you know that right. coach or that coach and and person so yeah, someone to have like a mentor really yeah, yeah it's a huge huge part of, of that so that's really awesome to to see um so what brought you here to your college was it the cross country you mentioned that i believe that was definitely part of it um the story goes way back to uh the late to mid 50s uh when my grandfather gave some money to this place called york college and uh, so we didn't know much about your college growing up, but that was that's something that we did know. Uh, my brother came here a year ahead of me. He played on the 1992 national championship soccer team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he was uh, a bug in my ear also telling me that this is a great place that you should go to and, and try out and uh, then getting that cross-country scholarship. But also it, it's a, a Christian uh, community that I was deeply desiring to be a part of and so that I would say that probably had a bigger bearing on me than anything at that point. Did your grandfather go to school here then or did he, he just make a gift? How did he the... just made a gift and uh, he came up and he spoke at some point at your college. Huh. Um, we don't have anything to, to show that but it's something that our family knows that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather had uh, a ranch in Oklahoma. He had some money at the time, and so he was able to help out people. And right, right. College is one of those that he helped out. That's cool. That was that's great. That I mean, that's how your story starts. I mean, it's, it's great that it was a gift that you know everything yeah. keep going. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your time here. You know, at York College. Um, I know it was only two years, uh, but talk to me a little bit about your experiences while here. Uh, it was two years, but it was two years that I definitely needed. So I, I came here as a student in 93, um, had just turned 18, I was a little bit younger, um, and I was not ready for college life, you know, and um, I wasn't uh, aggressive about academics, I mm-hmm. was more here for 
running and for their uh, spiritual life, uh, but also for a social life. Mm -hmm. And so when I came here, uh, this place gave me the space uh, to develop. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're looking at for all of our students that uh, come to York or come to any school for that matter, is trying to create that space where they can develop. And for me, it was really developing into the person that God had called me to be. And so we had incredible faculty that that really poured into me. So I think of Shane Mountjoy, who's still here and on our team here, um, him pouring into me, him holding me accountable, uh, probably times that he doesn't even remember uh, or in ways that he can remember. And having a coach that uh, thought I could do more than, than what I was showing and having students that were and salt of the earth students that seemed like they were light years ahead in development than I was. And, you know, here I was uh, trying to figure out who I wanted to be or what I wanted to be, and it seemed like they had everything put together. And so uh, this place created this accountability for me of saying, what is it that you want to be? Who is it that you want to be? And so the experiences that I think of really all kind of shaped me in that way, the people that I was introduced to and, and met with. and. Uh, all had a hand in that. Right. So uh, during your time here, you were involved with cross country. Did you? What What other things were going on? I know like there's different all things always going on, but I didn't know if they those things were happening while you were here or when those traditions kind of started. Okay. Um, another thing I did was I I walked on the baseball team, and mm -hmm. really really funny story is uh, my buddy Eric Muscle at the time he was on the baseball team and went out and just shagged some balls uh, for the baseball team while they were out. Practicing, and so I was out in the outfield. Uh, when they hit them out there, I threw them back in on plate. And Coach Curly Cox um, saw me making those throws and asked me to walk on the team. And so I did that, but I quickly walked off the team also. So it wasn't <laughs> a long stint, uh, just long enough for me to say that I did it. Um, I was also a part of Kia Dai, uh, so one of the social clubs here. Which on one campus, was that? Kia Dai. Okay. And uh, so joined a social club and was involved in that. Uh, while here and what is Kiadai I guess that's it's a men's a, social club, men's social club? I think a fraternity but on mm -hmm. a Christian college campus yeah okay um, so what are like the types of things did you do like different volunteering like things around campus like what was like your guys's mission or what that's that's some really good questions <laughs> <laughs> that uh unfortunately maybe the 25 plus years uh, <laughs> since then I have forgotten no sorry right. uh, but I have memories of <laughs> initiation uh, going through the pledging process, mm -hmm. um, went through, uh, somebody had us over for dinner and they had uh, found a, just a box full of pictures. Um, and we were going through those pictures to see if it was in my time while I was here and was actually able to come across some of the pictures from when I was here, uh, me playing ping pong, uh, but also me during initiation. Oh, cool. And pledging. And, and I told you know students during my time at Lipscomb when I was working with Greek Life some of the things I had to go through that aren't legal these days, uh, and now I have picture proof of <laughs> some of those things that we have moved away from in higher education. No, that's uh, we'll touch on Greek Life. I was in a fraternity when I was, and I worked for my fraternity right after graduating. So we'll come back to that. I want to put a pin in that when we okay. get get to Lipscomb. Um, so you did that. Um, was there like song fest going on around here then? Was that like something? Yes, but I wasn't heavily involved in that. Wasn't yeah, you're a crowd. That's fine. That yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know. Yeah. So you graduated in '95. With and what was your major while you were here? I did. I graduated with an AA, AA? an associate's mm -hmm. degree, and I did that from a distance after I left here after two years. Mm -hmm. um, so I finished up that through another school uh, in 1997. And then from York College you went to, was it straight to Lipscomb or where, where, what was the stops in between? No, I went to uh, Miami, Florida, Homestead, Florida, um, basically, and, and there I, because of what I've been through here at York College, uh, you know, I didn't leave York College a finished product, mm -hmm. uh, but I left knowing uh, things work changed. Yeah, that, that <laughs> things need to shift and work is to be done. I, I yeah. need to, to grow up. I need to mature. I need to get my focus. And I wouldn't have got that without York. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went down there. I became a, a PE coach for a Christian school. I became a, a Bible teacher for a Christian school. I became a youth minister for a church. 
and uh, eventually the, the church uh, said, hey, do you mind if we support you as you go get your degree in biblical studies so you can do this ministry moving forward? Mm-hmm. And Let's, let's do, do it, it. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I thought I was going to go to a place called ACU, Evelyn Christian University, um, but right before I was going to leave, my parents had come through uh, Nashville for a conference and visited uh, Lipscomb University, and they said, uh, Sam, you should go to Lipscomb. And I was like, where? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard, that's not on the top, that's not UNL, that's not... No, yeah. <laughs> no, never even heard of it. And with two weeks left before school started, I, I did a about face and went to Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee, without ever setting foot on campus. Got my uh, undergrad, finished up my undergrad in biblical studies there, and I got my master's in biblical studies there also. And started working at Lipscomb University right after I finished my uh, bachelor's degree. Were you doing like any intern work or like, um, I don't want to say like, were you like resident director or like uh, RA or something like that? No, no, not as, not as a student. Well, as a student, I was a youth minister at the church there mm-hmm. in town. Um, and I did some work study students on the campus as well. But uh, as soon as I graduated, I started out as a campus minister for the uh, university and uh, chapel coordinator. So I was directing the ministry of the, the mm-hmm. university as well as the chapel program. And then you said um, master's in higher education. No, not higher education. No, master's in biblical studies. Biblical studies. So undergrad and, and master's. masters were both. Did you have to go into high? Did you get a higher education? I like did. Master's or after that? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, uh, the neat part of this is, you know, all this work that I've been doing since then uh, has been ministry work. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like that, uh, mm-hmm. maybe to an outsider. but Yeah, I really, I really found that interesting, you know, looking through your, like, history, like, you know, I was looking at going into higher education when I was first out. So, like, seeing your progression and through stuff, you know, that was, like, what I was envisioning, you know, what could have been my progression. And so you started out at Res Life. Um, what kind of – what was that like, you know, in 2000? I know it can be kind of weird. I guess at that point you were a few older years older than um, the people that you were managing. But even still, that can be a kind of a weird transition of I was just a student now I'm in charge of these students it's actually a, I think a sweet spot mm-hmm. um, because at that age uh, you still have the energy to keep up with college students and so what I was doing is I was investing enormous amounts of time uh, with college students and in order to do that you you don't do that necessarily eight to five when you're working on a college <laughs> no not at all not at all those <laughs> are the worst hours in fact <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, usually it's it's 9 p.m. until 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. and so um, I still had the energy where I could do that I mm-hmm. could go out and play games with the students our we didn't have a uh, a lawn in front of our building we had a front yard oh, okay uh, and so what I mean by that is we were a community that was using that space. It mm-hmm. wasn't just green space for us. So we uh, created all kinds of games that the guys would come down and play, and I would play with them. Uh, so heavily focused on building relationships uh, with the guys. But in order to do that, you had to meet them where they were, mm-hmm. which was 9 to 2 a.m. Yeah, you had to find them in their in their mm-hmm. spots. You know, I remember you know, right after I graduated, I was working for my fraternity, Delta Upsilon, um, as an expansion consultant up in Maine. And yeah, you know, I was 24, I was, and trying to recruit these guys and recruitment, you know, you want it to happen during the daytime, but yeah, a lot of these guys aren't thinking about anything Mm -hmm. until after eight o'clock at night. So we're trying to come up with all these different events, games, and things like that to try and meet these 18 year olds, you know, not even halfway, meet Mm -hmm. them on their turf and and try and introduce our concepts to them, you know, that way. And so, I mean, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So you talked a little bit about getting into Greek. How did you find your way um, into Greek life? Was that, did you find yourself into that department? Did you want to be there? How did that happen? I did not want to be there. That's a good question. I did not want to be there um, and had really intentionally avoided that. And um, because, you know, Greek life can have somewhat of a bad name. It does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those that are involved in it, it's, you know, one of the sweetest names. For those on the outside, it's it's a dirty word. Mm-hmm. And so I had avoided Greek life, and I was on vacation um, one year, I don't know, 10 years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. Um, 
and it was my boss. And he said, hey, Sam, um, I need you. I said, okay, what do you need? He said, I need you to uh, lead Greek life. It, it's at a place that it's non-sustainable for us. And I need you to use your creativity and your leadership to go in there and reshape Greek Fix life. Fix this. Mm -hmm. And so uh, me being a yes man, <laughs> I, I said. Absolutely, boss. Uh, yep. I said yes. And knowing that immediately I, I couldn't be a naysayer for Greek life anymore, I had to find ways of why the campus should appreciate Greek life. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. Um, I love Greek life, my time through it. I mean, I, I learned so much about philanthropy and giving back and being a mentor and being a role model and how important, um, you know, that legacy stuff type is. You know, when you become, you know, a, whatever you're in an organization, if you've been there for three or four years, you know, people look to you to lead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a very safe place to... Uh, be able to try things and fail, yeah. um, you know, within a fraternity. I, I failed a lot within my leadership, but I, I feel like it, it helped me learn yeah, to where I am today. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I, it's great that, you know, you've been a proponent of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's even better that you were uh, not a proponent of it and then okay. saw the benefit of it. I, I love those people even more than the people yeah. that are just steadfast on this is great. You know, I'd right. rather you challenge it and figure out why it's great. Mm -hmm. So that's great to see. Um, so you moved into the associate uh, dean of students position in 2010. So you spent 10 years as Res Life. Um, talk to me a little bit about kind of that jump and kind of what maybe changes you saw and what um, changes you kind of wanted to implement within that position. In uh, that position, it, it's uh, where I really became a, you know, what some people would perceive in that role is um, the dean of mean, right? <laughs> this is the person that uh, students get to meet with whenever they make decisions that don't uh, meet expectations. Aren't the best. <laughs> Aren't the best. And so a, a guy that wants to know students and, and wants to uh, live life with students, uh, that became a challenging dynamic when you're seen as the, the guy that, uh-oh, uh, we don't want to. Uh, if I'm having this conversation, nothing's good coming of it. Yeah. yeah. And if you're seeing in my office, you know, what's the perception of oh, are you yeah. in trouble or is it something good? And so I really had to find a way to try to balance that perception. And so um, I, I'm a kid at heart, and I think people will see that shortly, especially when students get back to campus. Um, but I love to play with students. I love to play games. That's not something that's died out in me over age. Um, but that thing we talked about when I was a residence hall director of going out and playing with them I still like to do and so students would see me on campus playing games with students and uh, most of the time they wouldn't know this but this was students that I was mentoring through a discipline case and wanting to uh, be outside of the office wanting to spend time with them in a way that helps get their attention and not as a hammering the desk and tell them how bad of a person they are but tell them how good they are and how much value they have to our community. And so it's it just really neat that people would say, oh, I saw you playing with X, Y, or Z, and, and they had no idea what that What X, Y, and why you were talking to. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I really like to be able to do that in broad daylight because I, I just don't think anyone likes doing it in an office, and it's a very uncomfortable situation for everyone. So to have that kind of relaxed, out in the open kind of feel but yet it's under the veil of, hey, we're just playing games, we're playing a card game. No one else is gonna think we're having this serious conversation, but in all reality, we are. I yeah. mean, that's really cool. Yeah, and there is, you know, just quite honestly, there's sometimes that it, it didn't work for that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the students' decisions were so egregious that uh, it was in the best interest of our community or, or in the best interest of the student for them not to be at our institution anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, but wherever possible, uh, we're looking for redemption, and that's the same we're going to do here at your College. No, that's great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, like you said, yeah, there are things that you can't come back from, but there are certain things that, yeah, that are, um, that you can fix. So that's that's it. That's great. Um, so you've transitioned on into dean of students then um, for the next five years. Kind of what was that kind of role like? And um, yeah, tell me a little bit more about being dean of students. Now, dean of students then is, you know, each of these is progression of responsibility, right? And so my teams just get bigger and bigger and my responsibility gets bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And so once I'm the dean of student life, I'm really responsible for everything that's happening outside of the classroom. And so 
and you can make a Greek, Greek life, you can make of residence life, you can make of student activities, you can make of everything that I'm forgetting right now, student conduct, <laughs> um, uh, you name it, if it's outside the classroom, then uh, my team and I are, are working on how we do that the, in the best way that's honoring these students, uh, their time, their energy, and their resources. And how do we do it? How do we craft it in such a way that uh, they want to stay with the institution? And so uh, as a dean of student life, you just have a bigger scope of responsibility and pulling off the mission of the institution. Mm-hmm. So as a, a dean, how do you like balance the like growing, and you probably don't have much of a decision as this as a dean of students, but how do you balance the growing, you know, there's all these different activities that we want to have for these kids um, versus like, you know, how much that's going to add to the budget and how much that's going to impact, you know, tuition rates and things like that. So how, I don't know if that's something that you would have done as a dean, but I guess how do you balance that even in your position now? Well, one of the ways that I did it at Lipscomb, and I'll look for ways to do it here at your colleges, uh, you've got to uh, find uh, ways to increase revenue, mm-hmm. right, that is not laborious on students or on parents. And so one of the things that we did at, uh, at Lipscomb that I created was a, uh, uh, like for residence life, a, a housing processing fee, mm-hmm. uh, which moved away from a, a, an antiquated model of a, a uh, deposit. And just instead of, hey, you put this deposit down, uh, fall semester, and at the end of the semester, if nothing's wrong with your room, then we're going to give you that money back. And going through the logistics of that over and keeping over again, the money and sending it back, uh, we just said, "Hey, we're going to create a housing processing fee, and you're going to pay it every year, and you're not going to get it back. And with that, we're also not going to be so nitpicky about your room when you leave, and we're going to cover the cost of scrapes and dents and all that stuff with this fee. But what we were able to do with that fee also is dump that into student activities on campus." And students do not have a problem with that as long as you don't, they don't feel like you're wasting their money. And so one of the things that we did with that money, besides uh, providing uh, renovations that we could handle in-house without the institution doing it, uh, was we would get a Maggie Moose truck. Do they have Maggie Moose here? In- something like that, yeah. Okay. It'd be like two guys in a truck or something like that. Uh, <laughs> maybe, coached on creamery. Uh, an ice cream Oh, okay. Place. Oh, ice cream place. Uh, hand-dipped ice cream. So we'd get a Maggie Moose truck out on campus every Thursday night at 9 o'clock, that 9 o'clock hour, um, and they would give out free ice cream. And so we would have 600 students literally lined up waiting for free ice cream um, for hours. And so they saw the value of their money being used for something that they wanted. And we saw, oh my goodness, we have 600 of our students that are out here getting ice cream and they're waiting and guess what's happening while they're waiting? They're building community, mm-hmm. they're building relationships and so it's a win-win for everybody. And so, um, I really like this, I love this idea. Yeah, I'm just it, like rolling it through my head. Yeah, yeah. it's just fa- fascinating and again, if, if they have, they see the value, even though they could have gone and got that ice cream, uh, you know, at Maggie Moose, it's like six seventy-five to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have done that and not waited in line at all. Mm-hmm. But there was an experience that they were having while they were getting their ice cream and they didn't have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that. But we would do that with all kinds of events. As long as uh, you're creating a revenue stream in order to do that and it makes sense to students, uh, I think we're willing to, to put in. I can think of so many of the similar things that, yeah, the, you know, I love different things like that where you get, you know, it's free. But, I mean, it's something that you've already paid for, and maybe you paid a little bit more for it, but it's that experience that you're going to remember as well. Because I bet all those students probably talk about that time that they first moved into the dorm and they got free ice cream, yeah. and that's a memory that, that now they're going to have for quite a while. You that's know? exactly right. And the, the difference between a Lipscomb and a, a York College is, you know, Lipscomb is charging twice the tuition that York College is. And so the resources that York College have are at least half mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of what Lipscomb would have. And so we're always looking for partners from the community that want to say, hey, we understand the need to build a community mm-hmm. and relationships on your campus. And this is, I think, how we can help you. Mm-hmm. And we want to partner with them. Definitely. Yeah, we're going to definitely need to see more of that for sure. 
Um, so now, yeah, you've mentioned it, York College. You've been here for three weeks now, I believe we've said. Um, kind of talk me about your, um, you know, I helped you with it, or I met, first met you with on the visit here. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about your decision to come to York, um, your first kind of first impressions, or first impressions again with York, um, and then, you know, a little bit, you know, through your time now as president. Oh, boy. That's a... Uh... We might have to do another session just to cover why I came to York. Uh, the simplest uh, way to put it for time's sake is uh, God's fingerprints were all over this, uh, without a doubt. This is a God story, only a story that God could have scripted uh, for myself, my family, I hope for York College as well. Uh, but because York College had transformed my life, I, I felt compelled to come back to York College and make sure that's what we're still about here. That uh, we're a, a place of faith. You're gonna see people of all different kinds of faith here on our campus. Uh, but we want to make sure that they have a chance to be introduced to Jesus while they're here and grow in their faith. And I wanna be the person that says, hey, I'm taking, taking the helm and making sure that we stay on mission for that. Um, there's not a better community to do it in. This is a place where People wave at you while you're driving down the street, whether they're, they're in a car or on the sidewalk. Uh, people know, you know what you're doing before you even know what you're doing here in, in New York. And that's a, that's a neat thing. And so uh, this just felt right. We, uh, our whole family knows, it's not believes anymore, knows that this is where God wants us. And so that makes it really comfortable for us. That, that's, that, that's great. Um, you know, we're very happy to, to have you all here, you know, all five of you. Um, we're very lucky to have uh, someone coming back to the community. Um, and then for those reasons, like you said, you know, to, you know, not to bring change just to shake things up, but meaningful change and purposeful change and things like that. So we're very excited to see what you bring to the college and, and what kind of changes maybe we'll see in the next year or two, you know, once we get everything back into campus and then everything like that. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the plan right now for coming back to school. I know it's July 20th right now, so maybe next week this will all change, but as of right now, what's kind of the fall looking like for York College? We are, we are opening up York College. We're going to be here in person, but we're going to do that in a safer way as possible. And so one of the things that we did last week, we just uh, sent out communication to our campus, letting them know that uh, we're gonna be a campus that's gonna have masks on. And uh, the reason why we're doing that is because we wanna protect each other, because we love each other. Um, so we have an obligation that when we create this atmosphere that uh, we do take care of our students, that we do take care of our faculty and our staff, but we're even outward thinking and, and thinking about York, the community as well. It, uh, as we bring students in from different states that we want to make sure the community is safe as well mm -hmm. and so uh, there's education that goes into that so our new student orientation will have training on how to stay safe and how to keep other people safe during the pandemic what our expectations are uh, you're going to have masks on when you're on campus any part of campus mm -hmm. other than your dorm room mm -hmm. uh, which we cannot control but when you're in a class and you can't have six feet separation you're going to have a mask mm -hmm. on um, and our chapels are going to look a little bit different because of the spacing and everything like spacing, that. Yeah. Uh, in order to honor the uh, the health of our students, we're making decisions that we wouldn't make in any yeah. other year. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to keep them safe, sanitizing stations and uh, recommendations for washing hands and uh, touchless thermometers and you're probably going to have like hand sanitizers at every door and yeah that's yeah. right mm -hmm. and so we're we're taking on uh, the responsibility of making campus as safe as we can mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's an important we can uh, with the expectation of our students making campus as safe as they can mm -hmm. yeah it's a 50 or two-way street where yeah right. we're going to do the best we can mm -hmm. and that means you got to do the best you can right and so we're you know for me even though York is not a hotbed mm -hmm. of the yeah. virus, um, I want to do whatever I can and we want to do whatever we can to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. And so if masks are going to protect people, even if it doesn't make sense, you know, I, I talked to my team about uh, this other day that sometimes God asks us to do things that doesn't make sense to us. And so when he tells the Israelites, hey, 
put some blood on your doorpost. And if you do that, you'll be safe. That makes no sense. It makes no sense to them whatsoever. Uh, but it kept them safe, mm-hmm. but they did it. It worked. Mm-hmm. And so for us, if they're telling us a mask is going to keep us safe, uh, we're going to put a mask on, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Better to err on the side of, yeah, caution, you know, like exactly. they say. You know. And I think that's becoming an easier and easier conversation. You know, as you see corporations saying, uh, Walmart, we're, we're mm-hmm. going to require that you have mm-hmm. a mask on or uh, other, other places that you can visit. It makes it easier. And students are coming from places that they're probably more accustomed to that than at York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're probably coming from bigger metropolitans and things like that where they're, if anything, they're going to be coming to a place with less rules and things like that. Exactly. So even if they have a mask, they may feel more freedom mm-hmm. in, in that and everything. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be great. So, no, it's great that your college is going to be open um, and it'll be great to have the students you know, back here on campus. I love it when the chamber has their event, when uh, students come on, uh, come to campus and things like that. So I'm excited to see you know, everyone back. I know it's a much more livelier place, you know, when people are always walking around and things exactly. like that. So, yeah, and they need it. Students need it, right? That's mm-hmm. what we're seeing across the nation also is there's, there's a need for them to go back to school, mm-hmm. not just academically. We want them to do that. Uh, but as we're looking at the reopening, we're thinking, what can we do to help students get into their profession as quick as possible, as safely as possible? And so for us to do that, we need to keep keep everyone on track mm-hmm. in their education. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Um, transition a little bit more to your personal life. Um, we mentioned them a little bit, but you, your family, um, talk to me a little bit about where you met Lisa and then, you know, how Brooklyn, Bear, and Bowden kind of fit into the story. Okay, I met my beautiful wife, Lisa, while at Lipscomb University when I was a student there uh, in chapel. And those were the days where we had uh, randomly assigned seats. So we didn't get to pick who we sat by and you had to go look at a piece of paper to see what seat you were in for the semester and I was sat next to this girl named Lisa Andriano and uh, she had a boyfriend at the time I had a girlfriend at the time um, but we formed a relationship after chapel we'd go hang out we'd pray together we would I was a Bible major so you know big time Bible thumper um, so we would read the Bible together we would pray together and we built a strong friendship uh, that gave us a desire that we want to spend the rest of our lives together. And so um, we, I asked her to marry me, um, and she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good part of the story, yeah. That is a good part of the story. And uh, so we've been married ever since, almost uh, 19 years. And we have three beautiful children, Brooklyn, who's going to be a junior this year at York High School. Um, who just got her driver's license, so everybody watch out. Um, My son, Bear, is uh, going into the sixth grade, and um, he's fun, but he's very quiet, so people that meet him for the first time are going to think, man, he just does not talk, and and he doesn't right away, but once you get to know him, oh my goodness, he won't stop. (laughs) That's insane. But he's a, he's a, a, a tall kid, and so he's a gentle giant of a kid. And my youngest is Bowden, and he's nine years old going into the fourth grade, and he's never met a stranger. Oh, that's Everybody's good. Everybody's his best friend, and he has just a really neat personality like his mom. And uh, we absolutely, uh, literally love to be together as a family. And so when we have free time, that's what we want to do. That's what my kids want to do right now, so I relish in that. Yep, I don't know yep. if they'll stay that way or not, but uh, family is very, very important to me. No, that's great. Yeah, that's great. No, even especially yeah, as you're, you keep your 17 year old you know doing activities as much as you can with the family. Yeah. I know. Yeah, there's there'll be a time where she's gonna be too cool for that. Yeah. But I mean, hopefully that doesn't come too soon, um, and everything. So you mentioned fishing as like a as a hobby that you have. Um, tell me a little bit about. Do you like go fly fishing? Is there a certain like type of fish that you like to catch? You know, tell me about. Yes, I am. A, that's, oh, I love this question too. Um, I am a trout fisherman, and I am not a sophisticated fly fisherman. I am a thin cast uh, fisherman, and uh, so being next to Colorado is really attractive to me. It's it's not that six far. Six or seven it's hours not that away, far. I don't know, <laughs> but to some of the best trout fishing in the country, and the way that I got hooked into trout fishing was a, a person from Harding University who was a recruiter out there. Um, invented this thing called the trout magnet. So here's a free plug for trout magnet. Um, the trout magnet is just a little small growth that doesn't look like much of anything. 
but I will go out fishing with it, and I'll have uh, fly fishermen to my left and to my right who aren't catching anything, and I'll just be bringing in fish after fish after fish. Just with this little lure that you got? A little bitty lure that doesn't look like much of anything. <laughs> Uh, but the guy who made it, Jeff Smith, is an incredible guy, incredible man, um, great business, and has just been very kind. But the trout magnet has literally changed my life. It's one of the things that I would <laughs> use uh, when talking with students. If I need to spend time with a student, uh, I'd get that trout magnet and go out to the river and create this environment where we can have a real conversation about life that was uh, not threatening at all. Certainly, yeah. Um, do you like create any of your own lures, or do you get into any of that kind of stuff? No, nope, not no. that stuff. No, no. <laughs> Keep it simple. But, but I love, you know, I love getting in the river, getting mm -hmm. my waders on, uh, getting in the river, walking up and down the river, and being away from everything but God and creation. And so that's my peaceful place. Yeah, it's probably so serene out there. Yeah, and mm -hmm. quiet and everything. Yeah, certainly. And then you have a Husker fandom as well. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, growing up in Texas, most people probably wouldn't imagine you as a, anything close to a Husker fan. Oh, so right. yeah. tell me a little bit about, you know, how that kind of was born and where that spread from. Okay. So born in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. raised in Texas. Okay. There we go. Um, and so my family is actually Oklahoma Sooner fans, which makes it maybe even tougher. Yeah, I was going to say, that about. makes the story even more, <laughs> like, complex. So this Oklahoma Sooner fan came to York College in 1993. And anybody who follows Husker football knows that's just right in the middle of some of the best uh, college best rivalry, football yeah. of all time. You know, 95 Huskers, maybe the best of all time. And so I was exposed while here at York to a state that shuts down <laughs> when there's a Nebraska football game where everybody wears red, where everybody watches the games. And I'd never, ever experienced anything like that before. And I became completely brainwashed. <laughs> you joined the, you drank the Kool-Aid and <laughs> I, you went, you dove right in. I did. And haven't looked back since, even though it's been tough the last couple of years. Yep. yep. Um, haven't looked back since. So I got to have a dog named Husker. Um, I have, for my kids, we have four rules for their person that they're going to marry. And those four rules are they got to love God. Uh, they got to love my daughter or my son. They have to love our family. And they have to love Nebraska football. There you go. I'm convinced if they do the first three, they do the, the last one. The last one, one will also. come. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, big time college football and Nebraska Husker football fan. So, yeah, moving back up here, it'll be much more convenient for you to make a quick little run into Lincoln. Yes, and if we have a season. Well, pending <laughs> all things staying normal, yeah, we'll ha having a season and things like that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be really cool for you. Oh. Um, so we'll jump in right now to our rapid fire questions. Um, I have some to kind of round out the interview. Um, first one I have here is favorite restaurant. Is it, you've only been here kind of a short while, but is there a favorite restaurant that you've had in those three weeks? Absolutely. Chances are. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> chances are, chances are, chances are. There is uh, nothing I've had at chances are that is not good. I've gone to other places that are supposedly supposed to compete with chances are. There is no competition out there, as yeah. chances are. Um, their prime rib is unbelievable. I didn't like steak before I came to York when I was a student. <laughs> Worked at Pioneer Seed, and we had a end-of-the-year party where they had prime rib from chances are. Changed my life. Life-changing experience, yeah. And so, I mean, there is... I, I tell my wife and, and kids that chances are is basically the cheesecake factory of oh York yeah 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 because their menu is so big so diverse and, and yeah yeah, yeah that's probably like, a good comparison <laughs> yeah um so this next one um do you have any opinions on the Ford Bronco that just came out you know I don't have strong opinions on the Ford Bronco um, other than I think the older models are are going to be reigning supreme oh yeah they, they keep on trying to recreate and and bulk bulk it up mm -hmm. and uh i don't think it's going to compete with the older models either. no i think people are going to want to have if anything i think this might make the older ones more valuable or something so. like that i think people are going to seek out the older ones after they see these ones i don't mind them but i mean i think the old ones will become more of an the appeal ones are so heavy i mean they're tanks yeah yeah they're tanks <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So favorite meal from Chances Are? Is, is it prime rib or is there another like hidden gem on the menu that you kind of go to? I'm, I'm going to have a hard time finding the other hidden gem, but 
I'm going to go with the Husker cut. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. That's cooked medium rare. And I'm going to get mashed potatoes with white gravy on the side. And I'm going to ask them over and over again for the rolls <laughs> so that I can take a couple home. Let's <laughs> <laughs> dip those rolls in that potato and gravy and get mushrooms on that oh, yeah. as well. There you go. Yeah, that's quite the combination. Yeah, from down but there. If chances are, one, one way they could improve is by getting Dr. Pepper or Coke. Yeah, we're Pepsi town. I know. It's, it's crazy. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the one thing that, yeah, it was, we were Pepsi town for the longest of time, and you couldn't never get, like, a Jack and, you had to get Jack and Pepsi, and so it was like, <laughs> I'm not going to get, I'm just going to get something else. <laughs> Do you have, like, a uh, um, a favorite memory from, like, college when you were here from York County? When you were, is, did you ever, like, go out and explore, like, Bradshaw or McCool and anything like that? Did you... I, would like, say I went out and explored those. Let's see, a favorite memory would be uh, uh, me and some friends. I can't even remember where it was, but there is on the interstate, if it's still that way, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but um, there's a bridge that goes under the interstate not too far here from town. And so uh, we had some glasses that uh, kind of split the light into different ways. Mm -hmm. And so go out there at night, and you're right next to the 18 wheelers as they pass by. And you put those glass on, and all the lights would go different ways. Oh, and just a, that's kind of neat. Dumb college student thing to do. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, did you happen to catch any of Tiger King during quarantine? Yes, I caught all of it. Unfortunately. <laughs> Wasn't that just like watching a real life train crash or it something? It was scary. <laughs> Nobody was right in any of that, as far as I'm concerned. Oh but... my goodness. The... Before that, you know, there was the, the belief that people like that existed. Yeah, it was <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> those people are real. But life is wild, and every episode got weirder and weirder. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be possible to, yeah, like, how is this going to get any weirder? And they managed to do it every episode. Yeah, I saw something on Facebook the other day. Carol Baskin, is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Now does these uh, cameos, so if like, you have your birthday, you can have You her. can call her and have her. Wait, I don't think I want Carol Baskin wishing me birthday or anything. I might end up missing somewhere. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Um, is there a favorite county or local event that maybe you're looking forward to um, next year to kind of participate in? I know some of them this year are going to be, I know the, the county fair isn't going to be the same, and some of our local like community fests aren't going to happen, like York Fest and Bradshaw Days. But is there anything that you're kind of looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to the Panther Prowl. Mm -hmm, I haven't mm -hmm. been a part of that, so I'm looking forward to seeing that how, how that goes. But I'm also looking forward to, again, uh, the 3rd of July celebration. I don't know if it's the 3rd of July every year, but uh, the 3rd of July celebration, which was just uh, very intense. Mm -hmm. um, that was a very, very good show. And then all the fireworks that were going on on the fourth that whole week, yeah, uh, we felt like we were in a war zone. Never been in a city where you can pop fireworks off in the middle of the city. So we we were taking shelter and have PTSD from that week. <laughs> from learning from that one. Yeah, no, I was in Lincoln on the fourth, and I came back that night, and I was on the other side of town, so I drove through town on the way back, and yeah, it was it was a war zone. I mean, it was smoke everywhere. I mean, it was tough to see. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Um, so this next segment here is it's called what's making us happy um it's where we talk about like what's going on currently that's kind of making you you know happy um i'll go first you know um, i mentioned it a little bit before the interview but i just had a bowling tournament this uh, past weekend it's my first one in like eight years and so i'm really excited to get back into bowling um i got like 33rd out of 94 so i was i was top third so uh, did pretty well as far as i'm concerned i was like seven pins away from making money so uh, i was very excited about that and so that was what was making me happy okay. what about you uh what's making me happy right now is uh, ever since we've been here our family's been here uh, the college has uh, asked people to volunteer if they would like to host us for dinner and oh, cool. So we have, with very few days, uh, the exception of very few days, we have been spending the dinner at other people's houses the whole time that we've been here. And that has been so uh, rich and so good for several different reasons. One, getting to know these all-stars that work at your college, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And why they're so passionate about being here and what they love about the college, what they love about the town, how long they've been here, what got them here. That's all just incredible information to have. Uh, second thing is, I get to know who cooks what, 
very well, and there are some incredible. Clips. You're getting you're getting the A game too, yeah. I'm sure of <laughs> oh like of meals, yeah. It's it's incredible. <laughs> People are making really good food. So um, if if we run out of places to eat out. <laughs> We know whose houses we can repeat. Yeah, and who's got the good, you know, if you want to go get some chili or if who's, who's got the best burgers or, yeah. yeah. That's right. So you reach out to me secretly and I'll tell you who's got the best food in town. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, perfect. Well, thank you again for your time today. You know, I appreciate you, you know, taking some time out of your day to sit down with me. Um, it's it's great to, hit, to hear the stories of the different individuals that live in this community and learn why they chose uh, York as, you know, the place um, to call home. You know, there's a variety of reasons that everyone in this community decides to call York and York County home. Um, and so it's it's always great to hear, um, you know, an opinion from someone who didn't necessarily grow up here, um, but did get to spend some time here. And that time was so impactful that they wanted to come back. Um, you know, that, that it really speaks volumes about, you know, our community and how um, you know how great you know we are and how we try to um, welcome as many people as we can to this community and try to do our best you know all the time right and so uh, I'll leave you with the final thoughts um, you'll have to be able to say the closing words and so whatever you want to say you know the floor is yours to kind of oh, wow. leave us with some closing remarks whatever I want to say that's pretty dangerous yeah <laughs> uh, th this is what I want to say this is what I've led with at, at the colleges uh, we're thinking with a, a mentality of what if uh, what if we were a better community partner? And what would that look like? What if we created uh, certificate programs that allowed people in the community to make more money at their current jobs? Uh, what if the community felt comfortable on our campus and wanted to utilize it? Uh, I want people to know that that's the kind of campus that we want to be, that we're dreamers, that we want to think about the what ifs especially as we're in this unsettling season, we have to think about that a lot. Um, but for anybody that's listening to this that may not know your college or has forgotten about your college, I want them to know that you know, this is really a new season for us as we lean into that what if. And if you have some ideas, reach out to us and let us know. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. Have a good one. Thanks Sam. so much, Eric. This is 17 County, a new podcast brought to you by the York County Development Corporation in Nebraska. For more information about life and opportunity in the heartland, visit yorkdevco.com. Come grow with us. And if you liked this episode, be sure to rate and review 17 County on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.